Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast. And today we're talking about Minute 58, which begins with Thor finding the hammer and ends with a shot of the hammer. And joining us on the show once again, we have Andrew Dorowski, host of the Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and Joe Dorowski, host of the Protagonist Podcast. Uh, Andrew, Joe, great to have you back with us. Um, I know you all picked these specific minutes, uh, Andrew, I think specifically. What would you to pick the, this series of minutes? I picked this set of minutes, uh, it, one, because Joseph's not very picky. Um, okay, that's fair. And so he he, he really just... Didn't care at all. Um, as long as I had an opinion, he's like, yep, go with your opinion. Um, and I, I actually, it's mostly for the, the end of the week. I really like the finale with Thor being successful and then finding out that he couldn't be successful. You know, like it's, it's really tragic, um, ending of this week. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't for the hamster fight. Uh, (laughs) ultimately it was for for the end of the week um but still really enjoyable especially i think out of all the fighting minutes this is probably my favorite fight minute Mm -hmm. and i think we'll definitely get to that later in the week because i think you're right in some ways these five minutes i think are one of the real pivotal turning points you know it's Mm -hmm. kind of the like the hero has to hit rock bottom in order to start his redemption arc yeah, I think in the uh, Campbellian monomyth, this is the abyss. Yeah. Like, the, the, when, when he fails to pick up Mjolnir later on in the week, that is the yeah. low point. I like that. Or at least the beginning of of, of his low point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we're getting all that more right after this, uh, not commercial break, but right after this important message. You know, we do have a Facebook group. If you'd like to join the group and chat with other Marvel fans in it, head over to truestory.fm slash Marvel Movie Minute and click on the Facebook link. It'll take you right there. We call it the Marvel Movie Minute Podcast Executive Lounge. It's a fun place to just kind of talk about the show, the episodes, your thoughts on the minutes that we're actually discussing in any given week and more. Give it a try. We'd love to have you there. Now he is on the lower level. He's gone the full half circle and he's coming close to uh, the end. He's coming close to like walking out into this little courtyard where Mjolnir is. And I love that like the minute he sees Mjolnir, his face lights up and literally the way he walk changes. Like he has been kind of like sneaking and then he's been running and he's been walking. Now it is a 100% swagger. Like this is mm-hmm. the cock of the walk, like as he's coming up back up the back up the path towards Mjolnir. And it's such a great, like, rack focus, too. Like, we get Mjolnir, which gives us the power of, oh, here it is, and then it racks to him, and that gives us that that swagger that he has. It's just, it's great the way that this was constructed. And, as I would like to point out, we're back to Dutch angles. Yes. Uh, swagger is such a good description for, like, this transformation uh, in, in Chris Hemsworth's performance. Um, like, it's, it's such a clear choice and also the right and, choice. And I think, it, like, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but it's so important for setting up, like, why tomorrow hits so hard when he, because it's just, he thinks now it's me, it's the hammer, everything's cool. Uh, and, of course, we get the kind of, like, it's a bit of a comedic trope, but a fun one, you know, that he comes around, he doesn't think anything is wrong, and then a punch comes out of nowhere. And I want to talk about that moment, but to back up a second, we do get a wide shot of, like, him coming down the tunnel and the whole room he's going to be coming into. 
and I did a whole Zapruder film analysis of that shot. I don't see the person. Like, does this guy just like parachute down to punch him? Does he like run up? What, I think there's enough room for him to come up from from the left. Okay. Um, ooh, is there it's like barely? <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at the wide shot with the Dutch angle. He's got to be coming in fast from the left, it, right? Uh, yeah, because there's there's no one there on the left. Um, and and I've got to say, if Thor was just paying attention to the Dutch angles, he'd know that something was about to go wrong. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like, I mean, well, and this is a question for you guys, because this is our first Dutch angle. Have you settled into like, is there a particular like rhyme or reason for the Dutch angles in this film? Because I know some directors will use a Dutch angle to show that a character is off balance, either like physically because they're drunk or, or intoxicated or doing drugs or something, or like they're emotionally off balance or there's something that's wrong. Right. That like they've made, made the wrong choice and their world is askew. I don't know if there's a clear reasoning as much in this, in this moment, it feels right because it's like, Oh, Dutch angle one. It, it like, it creates an interesting way to focus on the hammer and then Chris Hemsworth and like balance that shot. But also like, Oh, he's not about to get what he thinks he's about to get. And so it, it is kind of a, like his, his reality is not in line with his expectation, but throughout the rest of the movie, I don't know if there's that much consistency. I, I think the sense that I've gotten is that the Dutch angles with probably a few exceptions, but most of the time what they mean is either like the character is out of balance or the character feels out of balance or that the audience knows that there's a disconnect between what the character thinks is happening and the actual reality. Um, and I think, my my sense is, and Andy, you tell me if you have a different view of it, I, I think Branagh has kind of a similar definition to what you're saying. It's just that his definition of a character off-balance has a much broader variable set. But what, what's your take on it, Andy? I don't know if Branagh was um, completely using it to that effect the whole time. I mean, there there might be some. I mean, certainly we're getting it here as, as this fight happens. Um, but I think a lot of it, and, and he said this um that you know he loved the that kind of comic book look of the dutch angle and the fact that so many comic book panes would have kind of that tilted askew view of the world and so he purposefully wanted to just do a lot of dutch throughout this i mean it's happening all the time and i don't necessarily think that there's I, I mean, I, I'd really have to go back and look at every single Dutch angle shot to see is there is there conflict in this particular scene that would lead to this Dutch angle shot? Because I feel like so often it's he's doing it just because it has a comic book feel more than anything. Do you think that has anything to do with um, like the the Batman television series too? Because that was you know famously um, tilted. I, I, yeah, because I, I feel like there I, it's one of those things where I think. I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be curious about the analysis of that as far as like the influence, like did comic books influence the Batman TV show to kind of create that? And that show really went far, which mm -hmm. then subsequently ended up influencing more comic books to kind of take that more kind of and play around with that in, in context of each of their, uh, the pains in the comics. Joe, you might know this better. I cannot like think of a lot of Dutch angles in comic books themselves. You know, it doesn't strike me as a as a particularly comic booky thing, but that could also be 
era-based. Heading through the Silver Age, I think you start to see more playfulness with the panels. And there's still going to be things that are iconically very rigid with the panel usage. So like Watchmen, you know, never breaks from its, its, you know, right angles and all its panel grids. But even like uh, Kirby in the Silver Age starts to like really try and give a sense of motion uh, through the panel work. And that's, um, uh, there's an era where like Stanley has Kirby like do a lot of layouts for new artists. And a lot of what he's doing is giving him a sense of how to use uh, a sense of perspective and angles to make what could be a very static shot feel like there's motion within it. Uh, So it could be like the positioning of some of the figures within the panels, but then also you do start to see some playfulness with like breaking the panel edges and, and different panel designs and shapes within it. And my sense is that's more of what Bron is doing. I I went and found a quote that you were referencing. He says, um, that's how I received the dynamism of the composition in the frames, wide angle lenses with lots of depth. I chose that style for this. Um, You know, he's talking about saying, I I see within the panel frame of a comic book. That's how I see the dynamic sense of action and he also says we made very liberal use of the dutch angles throughout thor the wider camera angle would be dutched one way the close-up would be dutched the opposite and we flipped better for the reverse uh, shots as kind of an interpretation of comic book style and, and in some way i mean the whole movie and i think Brown said this the whole movie is about being off balance you know because the whole movie is about either the people from asgard who are thrown to earth or the people from Earth who are experiencing, you know, gods among them. And, like, mm-hmm. it, it's all sort of mm-hmm. a fish-out-of-water story from both sides. This does also make me think, in the age of all the different cuts we get, I hope some editor somewhere has put together the Dutch cut, you know, in which it is just, <laughs> like, the entire movie as Dutch angles. So if we can get the hashtag release the Dutch cut going, um, you know, please, Twitter, you brought the Zack Snyder thing into existence. Let's see if we can bring this back. I mean, there's, it, it's, it's a lot of it. I mean, in some ways it feels like, um, when Angley did the, his Hulk version and his way of bringing in the sense of combo panels was very explicit and over and unavoidable. I, I think this, well, like once you're looking for it, yes, you see it everywhere, but I think there are viewers who watch Thor and never notice a Dutch angle and would never comment on, Oh, there are too many Dutch angles. Uh, and, and so I think he's trying to capture some of that comic book feel, but in a subtler way than what Angley chose to do. And I, I don't mind either. Like, I, I don't think the Angley one is a failed experiment because of the, yeah, no. uh, you know, the comic book panel stuff that he does. Yeah. I, yeah. I fun with that one. And, and that the quote about like viewing it with comic books, it does kind of recontextualize like the way that I picture the shots where he's like, okay, wide shot, close up shot. Like what depth am I choosing for this sort of stuff? It, you know, knowing that there's that kind of intention behind it makes me reconsider how I view it. And mm-hmm. like, Oh, now I'm picturing splash pages and, um, and then, you know, how many panels would be on this page to tell this part of the story, right? So, like, I'm picturing, like, the introduction of Asgard. Oh, splash page. Put the whole thing out there and and linger on it and give it time and and put all of these intricate buildings on it. It's like, okay, yeah, that's his version of doing a splash page. And and so that does make a difference. And I wonder, I mentioned the the hand focus. I wonder if that is one of the motivations for the hands is, you know, doing some of, some of the storytelling where... Like I need to show details about a person feeling the the weight of this situation. So how do I show weight in comic books? It it's showing someone's hands grasping something, um, or or that sort of stuff. And so that does kind of change the 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 view that I have of it. Ultimately, the other thing I love about the Dutch angles is it does make me think of another film that I love, which is The Third Man, uh, which is, mm. is famous for the tilted angles. And it makes yeah. me wonder, I was like. 
oh, which one's more tilted? Like, is it is it <laughs> Thor collectively? Or and then I'm like, oh, but like, does it? Do you have to calculate how much the angle is tilted? Or, <laughs> yeah, like the, the, or the amount of uh, of shots. Yeah, is, right, it, right, is right. it per shot or is it total total degrees? Listen, I told my geometry teacher in tenth grade that I would never have to use this stuff. So don't tell me it's going to come into my podcast world now. <laughs> well, and out, ultimately, my favorite Dutch angle in the movie is. Um, towards the end and i hope it's okay to to spoil this but sure. um yeah. there's there's a romantic <laughs> moment between two leads in this movie and one it needs to be angled so much just so that they could you know kiss and make it look <laughs> level um because there's a significant height difference but if right. you look at the horizon behind him you're like what is this angle that yeah. they've got <laughs> and i'm going to answer the point when he brought up earlier um i i'm that person who i I, I've talked before on this podcast. I'm a dirty casual. I have enjoyed some comic books, but mostly I love these things as stories on screen. And yeah, the first time I saw Thor, I over the course of this podcast, Andy's been kind of giving me a crash course in like filmmaking vocabulary. When I walked out of that movie, I probably made a comment about like, yeah, the movie felt made me feel kind of off balance the way the characters did. But I, I don't think I would have been able to tell you, oh, it's because of this weird angle thing that they did. So I, I think, yeah, Joe, you're right that Probably there are people who like got the experience that he's trying to convey, but without having any like conscious understanding of how it happened. Yeah, I mean, any good director is trying to manipulate the audience to feel certain things, and that word manipulate manipulate can feel very loaded. But that's what all art is. Yeah, you know, like how do I get the emotional response I want? And this is uh, a a choice he made that is very divergent from the rest of his cinematography. I feel like, and also from like what most films have. And but that doesn't mean it's ineffective. It just means for some viewers who like to nitpick things they may notice it and start to say like no he's just always doing the dutch angle and there's no reason behind it i think Brown is a pretty deliberate yeah. filmmaker he's yeah. a he's a pretty deliberate storyteller i think he had a reason behind what he was doing yeah certainly um so then we do get this kind of great tropish moment but again tr- kind of like manipulation trope to me doesn't necessarily mean bad sometimes it can be really helpful mm-hmm. you know and i love that like he's just out of nowhere he gets punched uh my interpretation is going to be look we know that shield has some cloaking technology this agent had a cloak <laughs> on Whatever it is. But now we get this kind of great fight. And I, you know, when you commented, this is kind of like the, the best part of the fight. What is it you love so much about what we see here? I mean, this is the first time that in, in this whole sequence, Thor is fighting someone who fights the same way as him. Right. This is the first person who takes the punch. And it really actually surprises Thor quite a bit. He's like, but I just yeah. punched you. And everyone else has just immediately gone down, right? Like he's kicked down the stairs and it's it's three or four guys are immediately out of commission. And. And this guy is, you know, as we described Thor's fighting style earlier, you know, just the brawler. He's like, no, I'll take the hit. I'm not going to worry about, like, trying to dodge it or anything. I'm not going to spin around. Right. Like, I take the hit and then I, I hit you. And if I hit you more times or hard enough, ultimately, you'll go down <laughs> whether or not I've, I've suffered damage in it. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's it's the moment where he's got someone who's got his same style and and like his same level yeah. for this fight. Yeah. It's the same fight level, but it's also, and this is a great callback to what happened on uh, uh, the Frost Giants planet, it's again showing that he loves a good fight, you know? Mm-hmm. He ha- he gets knocked down, and you see this great, like, swagger smile on his face of, like, you're big. I fought bigger. Um, and it, it's just a call, you know, to me, it's like that moment where the first Yoden, ha- Yoden, you know, knocks him halfway across the battlefield, and it's like, that's more like it, you know? It, 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 I like seeing that that same energy is there of he's He's happy to have a worthy opponent because now he feels like I-, I can tell people about beating you up. That's going to be a good story. Not like these, you know, <laughs> silly agents who just all bunched up on a staircase. 
And the cockiness that he has continues as he says that line. And even as he's saying the line, his head is still kind of like he's got that swagger in just the way that he's moving his head. Like it just mm-hmm. he's so cocky in all of this. And 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 you are right how like he punches the guy in the face and is surprised that the guy is still standing. And I, I love that moment where it's like all of a sudden this guy is a challenge. And yeah. and so it's it's fun. And that's what that's what makes this. It makes it fun and frustrating for me. I'll talk about that in a in a moment. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it, it was Matthew who mentioned in an earlier minute. It's kind of like the, heading towards the boss fight. Like he's gotten rid of the minions, yeah. and, and now um, he, this is the last threshold guarding before he, you know, in Thor's mind, like okay, I'm going to go claim victory. <laughs> that, uh, but but this one is more worthy than the ones that I've been dispatching. And I just love uh, we we kind of mentioned this before. I love that it's just two big men wailing on each other. You know, like I. I love Shang-Chi. I love a good martial arts fight. But in the last, like, 10, 15 years, it sometimes seems like every hero knows how to do flying double kicks and crazy dodges. And, like, you know, when I play when I play D&D, I tend to, like, you know, max out my strength and use decks and dodge the dump stat. So, like, I just, that's fun, you know, seeing these two people just, like, grabbing each other and wrestling. <laughs> It is. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, because they, they do take it outside and, and then it turns into mud wrestling, right? I mean, after uh, after this, uh, you know, as as he's called in the script, the huge shield agent, the rest are just <laughs> shield agents. This is huge shield agent. Um, he, I mean, they really go to blows and they, they actually burst through the, the wall of the hamster cage and end up uh, kind of rolling around and, and kind of tussling in the mud. So it's I yeah. mean, it definitely is. Very much that sort of fight. Yeah, and I love that moment, especially because it's we've talked about how kind of sterile that was, and sort of go from the sterile inside to just the mud and the dirt of the the outside. It's just such a great visceral moment there. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, he's just called Huge Shield Agent, and I looked in the credits, I couldn't find anything. There's a couple people listed as uncredited Shield Agents, but I don't think they match up. Uh, Andy, you also couldn't find this actor either, right? No, is incredibly frustrating, and this is what this is what I'm. That's a shame. Alluding to, yeah, yeah, this is a person who should have a credit, and and probably doesn't just because. I mean, he probably does as just a utility stunt player, but there are an awful lot of those in this film, and so it's hard to tell. Um, and a lot of those don't have their photos on IMDb, so it's very difficult to figure out who he was fighting, um, because the actors that some people identify, like when you look at their headshots, it doesn't match up with this person's face. And so it's very frustrating because this is somebody I would love to know who it is. And I, I think the thing that I find frustrating about it also, the way that the fight is shot, is it's very much shot as Thor's fight, which, I mean, I guess it is. But we don't really get much other than that first moment when Thor talks to the agent. We don't really get any shots of his face. He's just there meant to be in the fight it's not about him. It's just somebody for Thor to beat. And that's something that frustrates me because I feel like if if this is an actual like potential opponent for Thor, I feel like we should have a little more from the person and at least some other face shots from the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once it uh, goes outside, <laughs> you know, they take their fight out of the, the, the kind of sterile, well lit area. Like it's just so much like I, even if there was a face shot, would we be able to tell, like you barely tell it's Chris yeah, Hemsworth. Right, some of right. the shots, I mean, it may not be, maybe it's, it's a stunt double. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> and I also think it's a, it's a nice reminder of just how much the, the role of the MCU in the larger media verse has changed because I feel like if this movie came out today, 
that guy already has like numerous memes being made about him as the one human who knocks down Thor, and someone's trying to call for MC, you know, Disney Plus to make a series about him. You know, like there's just so much <laughs> now a culture of every tiny character who was like a cool moment in the MCU, like give them their 15 minutes of fame in a way that we just weren't doing at the time this movie came out. Well, we'll see. I haven't heard anyone calling out for the 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 uh, MCU uh, Disney Plus show about the woman in the elevator in Endgame, but maybe. There's still time. <laughs> you know, but the number of characters like that from, uh, um, you know, uh, Shang-Chi, if nothing else. <laughs> okay, so, and then we do get this, like, the fight pretty clearly ends, although there's a, a coda that we're going to discuss, but with Thor pulling his one, like, little bit of martial arts he moves, he does this great, like, jumping up double leg kick. Uh, and here, to me, I think someone of you commented as well, like, this feels like a good use of slow-mo here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he, he, he really jumps up and just both legs kicks and like that's a hard move to do and and so i'm sure they like are filming and say okay we need to get a really good one of this because we're gonna make this look good and it does like also the slow motion like makes it look extra good because like you can't really fake that hit Mm -hmm. like a stunt person took that kick to the chest yeah, to the clavicle it is like so high up it is way up like right in his throat (laughs) yeah this, and and there, it's actually a speed ramping moment that we have here, which is cool because it starts off regular speed and then they ramp the speed down to get that slow-mo of the kick. And it's, I mean, it's a fantastic use of that. Uh, and it's still, there's just enough darkness on Thor's face where I'm like, is that Hemsworth? Is it, is it Hemsworth in a rig or is it a stunt person doing this? Like, I, I wasn't, I couldn't quite tell. Does anyone know enough about actual violence? human-on-human fighting. Is that an effective move to do? It looks cool. <laughs> well, it take me down, no, tell you that. Are you going to be able to have any like like real force behind a kick when you're not on the ground anymore like that? Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Yeah, like half of half of your momentum is pushing you the other way then, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got to yeah. think there's there can be something like pretty substantial, but but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, because we are outside my area of expertise. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely <laughs> losing some of the momentum. <laughs> Because it's gonna it's gonna start pushing you back, right? Well, in fact, I mean, this has to be the final blow because you're gonna wind up on the floor yourself, and if you just stumble them back a bit, you're you're not in a good situation after this kick. Or if there was a uh, you know one more shield agent coming flying in, like you're down already. Oh, right. <laughs> so one thing that kind of occurs to me might be happening here, um, and, and just because we're doing this like in depth analysis, you always kind of look for new meanings. I I know that. Thor didn't hear Odin say, like, the whole thing about when you be worthy. But it seems like that's kind of, uh, you know, associated. Like, and, and a major theme for Thor has been that he thinks he's worthy of being the next king because he's a badass fighter and that he doesn't get the things you actually need. And, and I wonder if on some level part of what this is about, this whole scene is about is Thor feels like that what he is doing is showing that even without the hammer, he can kick the ass of anyone. And that's why he thinks he's worthy of the, of the, the hammer. You know, that for him, like, him winning this fight is even more proof that like he should he's going to have his hammer and everything's going to be great is that am i just head cannoning out the wazoo or is there some some aspect of that here <laughs> i yeah like you said i don't know if he's even aware of like any kind of worthiness concern um right. and you know it and and if he doesn't have that motivation factor in then it does make a little bit of difference and if he does have a motivation factor it it does make a difference so that is an interesting thing to think about is like okay does he know or not know 
that there is going to be a, some sort of factor in whether or not he's able to to do this. And obviously, he he doesn't seem to have any thought that there's any reason that he couldn't just pick up the hammer. Yeah. So he, he doesn't have any doubts. His motivation definitely seems to be, I just need to get to the hammer and mm-hmm. everything's fine. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, but I mean, to your point, like just the way that he... I mean, he's, you're right. I mean, we talked about like how he's not just killing everybody. You know, he's, he's a good person who's not just killing all these people. He's just putting them out of commission so that he can kind of keep moving on. Um, but I will say the end of this fight, though, like if there's a moment that all of a sudden like crosses from worthy to unworthy. Yeah. Um, was like, he worthy until this last kick? Well, uh, that's that's a good question. But I mean, it's but certainly like once he does this moment where I mean, this guy that he just did this like, you know, double footed clavicle kick uh, and knocked him down, like as the guy's like, you know, laying on the ground and, and trying to like get up it's Thor like then kicks him again I'm like wow that is like the- with a firm plant this time like yeah. he has all the momentum on his side <laughs> it's a real like stay down you know and I'm glad you hear others saw that because I saw that moment I, I was wondering like did Brianna just think that looked cool and I'm weird for thinking judging Thor in that moment or or because I like I like that interpretation you're talking about like to me it's like yeah he's not worthy yet because that to me is a moment of like the fact that you knocked me down once is a challenge to my ego, so I don't just want to defeat you. I want you to know you were defeated. I want you to feel defeated, you know, which is, it, it's the move of a bully, which is what we're seeing from him from the early part of the movie. Mm-hmm. As, as it says in the script, and, and I, I guess maybe it's because it was scripted this way, they shot it. It just, they didn't shoot it this way. But this person, um, you know, is grabbing for his ankle in a last effort, trying to stop Thor, which is why Thor kind of does that. Even if that's the case, that's quite a kick. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a serious well for, for an ankle grabber in the, in the script thor, this is what it says in the script when the guy tries to grab his ankle thor looks back down at his foe then drops backwards pile driving his elbow into the fallen agent's chest oh, so no. it's even worse in the script oh, i mean hemsworth looks like he'd be very good in the wwe so like you know and what i love is that like so the last two shots i, I think further kind of illustrate this idea that he's not what he thinks he is like we have this moment where he's so dirty and he he wipes the the mud away from his mouth but as far as I can tell, it doesn't make a difference you know, <laughs> with a dirty well, arm. Yeah. It makes a difference. It makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. Was he supposed to be like wiping blood? Like I wasn't sure if it's like supposed to be wiping blood, but he just ends up smearing dirt across. It's, right. a, it's an odd moment because nothing seems to have been and, game. And, and to me, it's symbolic, especially with the second one of he then sees the shot of the hammer through the translucent plastic. And to me, again, it's a fun shot, but I also feel like there's an element there of he's close to the hammer, but there's still a barrier between the two. And he doesn't even realize that. But like, to me, it was just a very effective shot of him seeing the hammer like that. I do like the composition of that that last shot in this minute. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those moments that I, 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 I there are a lot of moments throughout this, you know, Dutch angles or not. I think Kenneth Branagh really was showing, you know, as a director, he knows how to capture strong moments like that. And seeing mm-hmm. the hammer through that kind of that plastic wall uh, illuminated the way it is. It's it's I mean, it's striking. Mm-hmm. And, and and we never mm-hmm. really get any of that in, in the minutes this week, but uh, or any of what I'm about to say, like he he does colors. Um, yeah. Pretty strikingly, he's he's big on like the teal and orange um, contrast, which I know is is like a common one that gets used 
a lot, especially in sci-fi, but this isn't as much sci-fi. And so he's really using it in kind of a different way where he's doing it like the nebulas in space or as neon lights. And like, mm. yeah, he's doing the, the, the blue and the orange, you know, the stereotypical blue and orange. Um, but I think he does it in a really nice way. Well, look at the red of Thor's cape that's, that yeah. you see throughout the film. Yeah, and he does reds and blues and... And in this fight, I think... And golds, a lot of gold. Oh, yeah. This whole sequence really comes up because it's like the bright white of both the lights and the tunnels, but then against there's like the the, the dark muddiness. You know, it's all blacks mm-hmm. and dark blues of where the fight is, and it's a great contrast. Yeah, I think it's the very like sterile technological side of the shield space versus this very natural, dirty, gritty uh, mud. And I think the one thing that Mar... You know, to, to try to make Thor fit into the Marvel universe, they're trying to blend the sense of like natural wonder and science and technology uh you know into what what is an asgardian uh, yeah it's a little bit a hand wavy this of both uh you know super advanced science and magic is yeah. happening right. definitely well i think it's about all we have for this minute any of the last comments or questions any you all wanted to bring up i would not want to be kicked like that yeah i would choose not to <laughs> no that's fair I, what i love is that clint is just up in this bucket in the rain watching this whole thing <laughs> As we find out, like, you know, he's, he give him some popcorn because his loyalties that, are shifting. He's, he could have gotten a clean, <laughs> clean shot at least once in this whole process. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe the gust of wind moved his, his little nest <laughs> yeah. up there. <laughs> uh, he's waiting. You know, he's waiting for that uh, order from Coulson. Well, uh, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for being a part of this. Uh, Andrew and Joe, we've been talking about some of the work you all do for each of you. Is there kind of like one episode or one sort of series of your podcast that that you'd say, like, if someone wanted to really get like the essence of what you're doing, they should check out? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I, I'm doing like this, a, a movies by minutes thing. So it's hard to think of, you know, a prime example when you're so close to the whole movie. I don't know if you guys feel like, oh, yeah, well, um, you know, this particular week is is strong. That's fair. Yeah. I, I will say I think there's improvements in our second season uh-huh. um, over our first season. Is there a piece of Disney media that you're really excited to do, even though it might be some ways down the line? I'm excited about a lot of them. Uh, after 101 Dalmatians, I think we're doing Tangled and then uh, Fantasia 2000, which is one that I'm really, mm. I, I'm really excited for Fantasia 2000, which won't be by minute. We'll do that by segment. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the most popular Disney movie, but I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk about it because I think it's really fun. I think the Fantasia concept um, is something that Disney should be revisiting more regularly. Mm-hmm. And... I would really, really, really like to see another Fantasia film sometime nice. um, in the tradition of the of the two that already exist. And for you, Joe, is there like one particular protagonist that you really kind of love that episode of or, or one that you're really excited to do an episode on down the road? I will just say, like, it's, uh, we've done three, uh, almost 400 episodes at this point. So if there's something you're a fan of, you might be able to find <laughs> us talking about it in your back catalog nice. or a, a version of that. And it is, we, we are deliberately eclectic. So on the one hand, that means you're probably going to see some stuff that you've never encountered before that maybe if you listen, you become interested, but also you probably could go hunt through and find something. Um, and like, just an example, this last, uh, like two weeks ago from when this, we're recording this right now, like we did an episode on the, uh, the old Cap Wolf storyline from the comic books when Captain America turned into a werewolf <laughs> as a little uh, Halloween uh-huh. treat. Uh, but then, uh, you know, before that, we were talking about, like, uh, the significance of, of like, this 1950s B-list sci-fi film, the, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, that has kind of had this long resonance. You know, so it, it could be anything from one week to the next. Uh, you know, we, we, we may bounce around. Awesome. And, like, next week, we're talking about kind of a, a modern classic fairy tale story. Uh, you know, so it, it's just okay. all over the place. Nice. 
definitely. Well, that, that sounds awesome for both of you. Uh, thank you, as always, for being a part of this. Andy, thanks so much. You do all the editing work that uh, uh, makes this all worth, <laughs> worthwhile and happen. Uh, and just all of our fans, you're what makes this possible. Thank you so much for being fans, and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music